Welcome to this Federal Election 2019 episode of the Health Advocate podcast from the Australian Healthcare and Hospitals Association. My name is Christopher Partell, and I'm the Advocacy Director here at the AAHA. Australians head to the polls on Saturday, 18 May, and the federal election campaign is well underway. I'm here with AWHA Chief Executive Alison Verhoeven. Alison, the AWHA has called on all political parties and candidates to commit to working together on much-needed health system reform. What do you mean by this? Thanks, Krista. Well, as you know, Australians have consistently placed health at the top of the list as they make their voting decisions in federal elections. We have a really good health system in Australia. It's built on a solid foundation with Medicare and a strong public health care and hospital sector, and there's universal access to quality health care services. But we have an ageing population, there's a rising rate of chronic and complex disease, and the advent of new medical technologies and treatments, which increase the cost and complexity of healthcare. And for those reasons, we think large structural reforms are going to be needed to deliver better healthcare access and affordability, rather than what we're seeing at the moment, some uncoordinated and quite piecemeal policy initiatives. Uh, In particular, we think addressing out-of-pocket costs must be prioritised because that's a real pain point for Australian voters. There's a few things that we're talking about as we lead up to the election, and that is the role of the Commonwealth Government in terms of supporting the health sector to meet these challenges. And we think for a fit-for-purpose 21st century system, political parties really need to commit to some policies which support universal health care, equity in health, outcomes-focused and value-based health care, sustainable funding, coordinated and integrated care, innovation, and importantly, a holistic view of well-being and health. Oh, that's all great. So let's start by, what do you exactly mean by universal health care? Well, we talk about universal health care, and in fact, we do have um, a universal system in Australia which everyone can access, but access isn't always easy. We need to ensure that people across Australia have access to the same quality health care for all Australians when and where they need it, wherever they live and however much money they earn. And for those reasons also we're focusing on out-of-pocket costs. We know that out-of-pocket costs are increasing um, dramatically for patients in Australia. Patients need to have transparency about what those costs are and they need to have alternative solutions if those costs aren't affordable for them. Public oral health programs need to be available and it's very pleasing that this week we've seen announcements from both the Greens and the Labor Party about investment in public oral health. Mental health care programs also need to be available and affordable and in particular they need to focus on support for the very vulnerable in our community, particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. And we have seen a number of uh, government coalition announcements in that regard, but also Labor and the Greens have put forward some policies around mental health. And last but not least, private health insurance, which is a key part of our system. More, around 50% of people in Australia have private health insurance, but many people have concerns about its affordability and also about transparency of information. The government has addressed some of that in recent reforms to add gold, silver and bronze categories, but there's a lot more to be done to ensure private health insurance is affordable and in fact we need we do need to question whether we need to continue to support it as a taxpayer through subsidies. 
You had mentioned previously as well that calling on parties to commit to policies that uh, ensure equity in health. What do you mean by this? Well, although in Australia we pride ourselves on being a country that gives everyone a fair go, many people don't have the same equity and particularly when it comes to their health. And I'm thinking in particular of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people for whom the gap in health equity is quite significant. A much shorter life expectancy, higher rates of child mortality and generally poorer health outcomes across a whole range of conditions. The causes of health inequity lie in the conditions in which people are born, in which they grow up, in which they work, live and age. And fixing social disadvantage has got to be part of addressing some of that health inequity. Market-based consumer-driven programs that are available in major capital cities don't always work in rural and remote areas. So even if people can afford care, they may not be able to access it because the care simply might not be available. And programs that are targeted to vulnerable populations are always going to be needed. And I'm talking about people with disabilities, uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, LGBTIQ people, the elderly, people with addictions, prisoners and refugees. We have seen a number of commitments uh, already in the election campaign around this. So for example, the Labor Party has made some commitments around prisoner health and health justice investments, which we think are very commendable. We also have seen um, commitments from all parties around the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We know that there needs to be continuing investment to ensure those people have the same equitable access to services as most of us enjoy. You're hearing more and more about outcomes and values in healthcare. These are buzzwords that you're hearing more and more about. But what do they actually mean? Well, here at AAHA, we're trying to shift it from being a buzzword to actually being a reality. We need to shift the whole system to value-based healthcare. That is, striving to achieve better outcomes for patients relative to the money we spend on health. Ensuring that the right care is available in the right place at the right time by the right provider. So what that means is involving teams of health professionals providing ongoing care for chronic conditions, for example. And I note that uh, the Coalition has made announcements in the budget recently about people over the age of 70 being able to access uh, team-based care through their general practice. What that looks like in practice is going to be really interesting and we look forward to more details on that. Really that's a model of integrated care and what we know internationally and nationally from the published evidence is that integrated care is driven by results that are better for the patient than care driven by the number of consultations attended or the size of the patient's wallet. So to start moving our system in this direction we need to invest in a few things. So firstly, performance indicators that focus on outcome and value, not just the outputs. There's a lot of work being done in organisations like the Institute of Health and Welfare and the Safety and Quality Commission, but we need to continue that work and to understand why variations occur and where we can achieve the best outcomes. We need financial incentives that drive and reward integrated team-based care. Some of them were in the budget, but only small start. And we need, um, effectively, an Australian evidence base that informs system design as we transition to value-based care. There's a lot to be learned from countries such as the US and Europe, where there are early experiments on value-based care, but we need to understand what that means in our own system. 
and I'm very hopeful that the Labor Party's announced Australian Health Reform Commission will take something like this on board as a challenge. So um, integrated care is really a key component of uh, a focus on value and outcomes. Maybe you could expand on why, as a health consumer or patient, why you would want integrated care um, and what sort of arrangements need to be in place to actually get the service providers to move in that direction. For anyone who has experienced a chronic condition or a very serious acute condition will know that seeing multiple providers and multiple health services over different periods of time can be enormously challenging. And when you're sick and you're not at all performing at your best, that becomes even harder. So what we really need is a system which can accommodate seamless transitions between different parts of the health system, between primary care, allied health, hospital services and the like. But that requires some thinking and some sharing of funding, it requires some policy strategies uh, and it requires serious system focus and that's why health reforms need to actually be done in partnership not just in isolation. The Commonwealth and the states and territories need to work together with primary health networks at a regional level and local hospital networks to look at different ways to do things. This is more and more important because we've got an ageing population with chronic disease. People are living longer, but with conditions that require more help and support from health services. So we have to get this right. We can't keep letting the same old patterns of behaviour continue without thinking through what this might mean with an ageing population. So some really concrete things that governments should be able to do formalised governance arrangements at the regional level, integrating some health data so we can actually see how people use the system, looking at funding models such as blended payments that allow hospitals and primary care teams to work together to optimise care for individuals, and improving consumer health literacy and informed consumer consent, all important things to get done. All important things and all things that require money. And I think money in healthcare is uh, just one of those wicked problems. Why is it so important to have long term sustainable funding in healthcare to allow for this to happen? Well, typically, what we do at the moment is fund programs for short periods, sometimes for one year, sometimes for a three year electoral cycle, but we don't really think long term. At AAHA, we're encouraging health leaders policymakers and politicians to start thinking longer term, to have 10-year vision, for example, but to have some incremental uh, changes along the way. So we've put forward in our blueprint for health reform some proposals for two-year, five-year and 10-year steps to truly transform the system. It's time to stop thinking short term and to start making longer term thinking and investment part of the way we do business in health. There's a few things that we really need to do along this journey as well. We need to start looking at system inefficiencies. So we're not just calling for more money to be spent, but we're calling for money to be spent more wisely. So not investing and paying for low value care, for example. So we are really supportive of the work that's happened through the MBS review over the last couple of years, which has looked at removing items off the Medicare schedule, which can't be justified anymore based on the contemporary research evidence base. That work has to continue and it has to be part of our ongoing way of doing business. 
Funding also needs to be directed towards patient and community needs, not sector needs or vested professional interest groups. And we'd really like to see a lot of thinking around what is best for patients and communities, not just what is best for individual service providers or clinical groups. Some of these mixed funding models will have to have some compensation in them to protect equity too, because we do know that some people very vulnerable groups of people, people who live in rural and remote areas, require more money to achieve the same health outcomes. And we have to cater for that in our system as well. And last but not least, we've got to continually address the growing scourge of out-of-pocket costs. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like a lot of innovation and thinking is needed to address these issues and to move the system along uh, where we want it to go. VAWH is calling for health policies that uh, drive innovation in the response to need. What exactly does that mean? Well, we're a very lucky country in Australia in that we've got fantastic innovation, research and development, we've got a very vibrant university sector, and there's lots of great minds putting forward great ideas around health. Um, we've seen in the last several years significant investments from the Medical Research Future Fund across a range of areas of health which haven't in the past had investment uh, in. Yet we do know that we need to harness that, that research investment and ensure that it's applied in ways that really benefit the community, that's not just around uh, conducting research for research's sake, but it has a real community payoff. So that's one thing that we'd like to highlight. But secondly, not all innovation costs a lot of money. Sometimes it's just about doing things a little bit differently. So one of the things we are putting forward is that our workforce can be used in different ways. We can, for example, encourage workforce to work at the top of the scope of their licence, not just doing everything just because they can and they're funded for that, but working to the top of their scope of their licence and then involving other team members to provide support that's more relevant to their vocational qualifications. We also need to ensure that in the regions, primary health leaders work together with acute sector leaders to ensure that the health system best serves the needs of the community, not the individual interests of different parts of the system. We need to respond to climate change as well. Uh, we haven't mentioned climate change much in these discussions, but we know in Australia we've experienced unprecedented climate events over the last couple of years, extremely long hot summers, bushfire seasons continuing long after we expect you know, our climate to be cooling off. Um, we know that our system, our health system is not always robust enough to respond to those emergencies, but also we know that we're not catering and planning for future events, so we're not thinking ahead. And I would encourage health leaders and our politicians, particularly at this time of the election, to start thinking about what they can do to respond to climate change and ensure we've got a strong health system for that. And finally, AWHA is calling for a holistic view of health and well-being. Um, what exactly does this mean? It's easy to talk about health in a silo because it, is very, it has very specific knowledge and information. There are specific professional groups involved in it. But in our communities, people are healthy not just because of the health services that are available to them, but a whole range of other factors influence their health, where you live, how you are housed, 
your family dysfunction, your education levels, your access to food, all of those things um, have an impact on, on your health and your potential for good health. And if we're truly going to have a strong health system in Australia, we need to start to think about things like income, housing, education, support for families, addressing domestic violence as part of the overall mix of health policy. Uh, and this requires us to invest really at a regional level because many of the responses needed in these areas are actually in local communities. It's not just what a Commonwealth government can do, it's what happens right down in individual towns and streets around Australia. Well, thank you very much, Alison. AWHA members representing the broad cross-section of the health sector are currently analyzing the publicly announced policies of the major national parties. In early May, AWHA will publish an election 2019 health policy assessment. This assessment seeks to raise awareness of and encourage debate on health policy, as well as to educate health policy decision makers and the health sector. To follow AWHA election uh, commentary, visit www.awha.asn.au slash election. And to read more on AWHA's blueprint for health reform, visit www.awha.asn.au slash blueprint. Thank you.